How do you transition from being a headline DJ to a telecom company CEO? Welcome back to the show. This is B is for Business, where I, your host, John Jickey Bison, sit down with entrepreneurs, founders, and inventors, those who shape our culture and industries. Thank you for listening. I welcome a very special guest to the show today, Peter Schroeder. Peter started his career at a young age, touring around Denmark on Donmark's radio. He launched his first company in his late teens, a social media platform for artists in Scandinavia. Peter then went full-time to DJing, producing and recording, eventually being a part of 20 platinum records and 40 gold records. Peter launched his latest venture, Telzio, in 2013. Telzio is a cloud-based phone system and has been adopted by Fortune 500 companies as well as emergency service agencies. It's a great episode, ladies and gentlemen. Sit back and enjoy. You make this rather snappy, won't you? I have some very heavy thinking to do before 10 o'clock. Well, today I'm with Peter Schroeder. Peter, one of the things that in, immediately intrigued me when I was looking into your background was the diversity of your experiences. One of these, of course, was traveling across Denmark as an 11-year-old, interviewing other yeah. kids on Donmark's radio. Do you remember that experience, and and how do you think it impacted you going forward? It's actually funny you ask me, do you remember, because... I don't think I remember a lot from it. <laughs> uh, I remember a few of the trips, probably like uh, uh, in, in in flashes. But there's so much stuff that went on, you know, in, in my uh, almost a childhood, in my 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 youth that were just did so many different things that it's kind of hard to to remember the the actual episodes or the the moments. But um, yeah, it was, it, I I just remember it as as being really fun, interesting. There's just a lot, you know, new stuff happening, and that's just kind of what I live for. <laughs> But yeah, I was, I was I was pretty young when I started out with that. I mean, getting in front of cameras, getting in front of microphones that early, do you think that started to shape your confidence and shape, you know, your personality moving forward? Probably. I would say I probably had it in me. Um, my dad was a musician and, and or still a musician and my mom was a pianist. And and, and so, so it's, it's not strange for me. I, I Remember, my dad built a stage in our backyard for me when I was five, uh, so <laughs> like for my birthday. So, so it's it's not it's not something that's super super strange to me. But but the funny thing is, I do actually have quite a bit of stage fright. Uh, I'm not very comfortable being in front of, mm-hmm. of big audiences uh, when I'm not, you know, a hundred percent sure about what I'm doing. You know, when it's it's different when you've done it thousands of times. Um, but but doing something new, I, I definitely get super super anxious. So you mentioned your musical background from both your parents there. Mm-hmm. You achieved your first club residency around age 18. Mm-hmm. Since then, you've been a producer, you've been a renowned DJ, you've been an artist, and you've been a part of 20 platinum records. Did your passion for music start from an early age from your parents? And more broadly, what does sharing music mean to you? And why is that a passion of yours? Yeah, so... It definitely started. Like, I, I, there's no doubt that that it comes from my parents. Um, it's it's my whole family, really. So 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 that was just part of my life. Uh, uh, there was just there's music everywhere all the time uh, growing up, and and I remember as probably nine year old in third grade, um, 
I saw a DJ playing at a school dance. Uh, and I was just like, this, this is so cool. It's the fact that he can stand up there and play a song and make everyone just have a good time and, and dance around. I want to do that. I remember it very vividly that, that, that night. Um, and and uh, I, I just started playing, you know, for my for my friend's birthday parties with two ghetto blasters and 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 so on. And and that that that's really what it's all about for me. It's never been about you know standing and being being the one in spotlight. Back then, when I started out DJing, DJs were someone that you just hit in a corner and there was no lights on them at all. You just if you could have them in a separate room, they probably would. Uh, it's it's uh, it's 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 changed a lot uh, over the years. So so that was never the reason why I, I got into it. It's not to be seen or get recognition for it. it was really just because i like entertaining and i like giving, having you know people around and, and having you know giving them a good time same thing is like i'm hosting a dinner party at home or, or stuff like that it's same 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 feeling i like um uh, and that i get from that uh, and and that's really what it's about like sharing music is is that uh being able to just play something good and and people react to it yeah bring joy into other people's lives mm -hmm. that's amazing I started playing music at an early age and being able to provide the beauty to others around you. Uh, it's really a fulfilling feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely, definitely agree. So you started two companies, Tiny Borier and 6AM Records, and they ended up being both acquired from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Is it hard for you to move on from ideas you've created and you've grown those and then you have to pass those on to someone else? Is it kind of hard to, to give those away? Or do you feel like once you've run your time with them, you're ready to move on? Um, it's not. It's never been hard for me. Um, I get so many ideas all the time. Like I have a new business idea every day, and and I, I have to sort them, and not just business ideas, but ideas for for things in our company as well. So I have to completely be, you know, very very selective about what what I put my time into, and especially because I have raging ADD. So, so, so that doesn't help that whole, uh, you know, going down the rabbit hole and chasing the next butterfly. Um, so that probably makes it a lot easier for me to give up uh, what I've been working on because there's always something that's more interesting. Um, I'm lucky that the, the thing I'm in and I'm doing right now is uh, completely, you know, unexplored. There's always something new happening and there's always something new you can build and, and somewhere you can take this, this industry that I'm in. But if it wasn't like that, I would probably haven't been been doing this for 10 years. I wanted to ask you about your creative process, because it seems like you're constantly having ideas. I mean, you've had ideas for music, you've had ideas for business, you've obviously had tons of ideas to be able to grow your own company. Uh, do you have a set creative process? Is there somewhere you go or an environment you put yourself in to really let the ideas flow? Uh, like, talk me through that. Um yeah that's that's actually the, the most difficult part for me because i don't have anything i can't force it it just comes whenever it comes uh and and that's also why it's always been hard for me to go to a studio and make music uh the times where i've been most creative and had the most success was when i had studios at home and i could just go in there whenever i i feel like it and i have an idea and and do it and then stop doing it when i'm not into it anymore that that whole thing about driving to a, to a studio and, and sitting there and, okay, now you make something good. That just doesn't work for me. Um, and and I, so, so I think that that's mostly it. And I know I say it's the shower. Uh, I get a lot of <laughs> ideas when, I, when I'm standing in the shower and I have a, an actual notepad, a, a waterproof notepad in the oh, shower wow. so that I can write it down so I don't forget it. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I mm -hmm. definitely think that would be the case, trying to force 
the music out of you in a set location at a set time. That doesn't seem like um, it would be conducive uh, to being creative. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's, 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 it's at least not for me. I, I have a lot of friends who can do it and who are, you know, living off of, of producing and, 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 and writing songs and they just do it. They just go in there and like almost like a, like a regular job. They, they get in there at nine in the morning and, and leave whenever they're done. And it's, it's impressive. I would say that they can, they can just do that and they just write so many good things. Obviously they also like everyone, uh, write about a bunch of things that never goes anywhere and, and, and produces some, some demos that, that never takes off. But the fact that they can just go in there and once in a while make something really good, that's, that's impressive to me. I want to move forward to where you're at now, Telzio. So this came about in 2013. You were taking a break from focusing on music and you had the idea for Telzio. Walk me through how that idea first came about and how you mm -hmm. kind of first built the MVP. Yeah. Um, so in, in 2011 and 12, uh, over a period of 12 months, I played 383 gigs as a DJ. And I... Wow. I was burned out. I it was not fun anymore. I was it was just a chore. I was playing the same songs uh, every night, and and most nights I had three gigs uh, in a day. Um, so so I needed a, a break, and I needed to kind of also make new music. I I had been away from from my studio. I had been uh, you know not not been creative uh, for a long time. Not been able to to go in and make music whenever I, I felt like it. So to keep myself relevant, I had to you know get back in the studio, make some new stuff. So I told my agent uh, to to put a pause on the on the gigs for a little bit, so I could, uh, you know, find that fire again. And um, while I was doing that, I I started building uh, another platform, a project idea I had, where it's like a like a, a promotion uh, sharing kind of thing between musicians and and DJs and 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 record labels, records, uh, radio stations. And I needed a phone service or like a support line for that, and I couldn't find anything out of the box that just worked and that was affordable. So typical me, I was like, well, I can just make that myself. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I started doing that and um, uh, I just got hooked. Uh, after a while, I found out, well, this is actually a little pro product here. I could actually put this online and, and sell it. And uh, I had just met my, my wife back then and, and um, she was like, well, let's, let's, let's do it. And, 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 you know, she has a little bit of experience back then in, in starting businesses in the U.S. Um, she lives, she's from Los Angeles and. Uh, okay, I'll come over here and uh, and let's launch it. So we really just uh, launched this 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 like MVP uh, demo, of, like start like a product for startups. Really, there wasn't a lot going on with it, but I wrote a little message on a couple of message boards uh, about it, and people started signing up. And you know, we didn't have any money to to uh, to hire anyone, so we did the first you know two years. We basically did everything ourselves, and eventually we could pay ourselves and we could pay someone uh you know the first employee um but but it was we, we took the long road let me say it like that <laughs> it was it was a fun couple of years though what has been the hardest aspect of growing Telzio so far and was there ever a point where you thought okay maybe this isn't going to work maybe this isn't uh what we thought it might be uh, i never had that that point uh i always knew that that we this was going somewhere this this, this idea is good um i'm i'm on one hand, very realistic, but on the other hand, also sort of naive and 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 very stubborn. Uh, so uh, I think that's that's really the key elements to to how I I, I do things, uh, because that naivety allows me to. 
go full in on something and not not doubt that it's not going to work. I, I have that that's real belief that it will work. And if you think of of, of it when look at this this company objectively uh, and what we did ten years ago, it, it's not probably the smartest move. You're you're starting a phone company and you don't have any money, so you cash in your wife's four one k. You have sixteen thousand dollars and and that's what you are going to fight AT and T and Verizon with. That's you know, it it doesn't really make much sense, and that's also probably why we didn't get investments when we tried getting some in the beginning. Um, but it it worked, and and we didn't try to to beat these guys from day one. We just built a product that some people could use, and every time we got more customers, we got more uh, money to to you know build out the product, and every time we build out the product, we got bigger and bigger customers, uh, and all of a sudden, Facebook and Samsung. Airbnb, these kind of companies started signing up, and and you know, that's really been been the main thing is we 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 don't try to to be everything, but we try to to just do what we do really good, and then slowly build from there. Yeah, I think I've heard sort of that same trend line from a lot of entrepreneurs is you can't really shoot for the moon, try to be everything for everyone at once. Be good at what you're good at, right. and keep providing that very well and you'll grow from there was there i mean is one of the difficult aspects having to go against those huge competitors or because you've cut out your space it really doesn't become a conflict yeah i think um for us it's it's been difficult uh, in terms of, of 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 how do we get customers because um one thing is we don't have uh you know a, a big name that that's recognizable uh, the other hand is we can't call cold, call uh, cold email uh, people and ask, hey, do you want to buy a phone system? It's kind of like calling someone, hey, do you want to buy a house? Uh, you got to just be available and be in front of them when they are looking for it. Mm -hmm. But it's very, very difficult to just make someone change when they already have something that's working. Um, so so those two are, are you know, usually the, 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 the ones that make it easy for you to sell something. Then you have advertising left and making sure that you're in front of people when they when they look for it but that's very difficult because in in our space uh, in our industry um there there's there's some 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 big uh, no, some big big players out there that have a lot of money to pay up front for 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 businesses so so ads for google adwords and stuff like that is seven six seven eight hundred dollars per click uh just to run and you know an ad just to get one person over to your website and hopefully that person will then sign up right right um the thing is, the math does add up because customers stay on for a long time and they pay in so, so and so much per month. But we don't have that money to uh, pay up front and, and, and acquire those customers that way. So so we had to be clever about and figure out how do we get them then. And for us, that was SEO. Um, we had to just get really, really, really good at SEO so that our uh, website comes up in top of the search results instead of AT&T, for example. Mm -hmm. Part of your vision for Telzio is democratizing business communication tools, is what you say. Can you explain what that means and, and why it's important mm -hmm. to you? Yeah, so so I think the whole solidarity aspect of, of, of things is, is very deep in me because of my Danish background. It's, it's very much in our culture. But I think... Um, the whole thing about democratizing is is really it comes back to how I why, why I started the company was I couldn't find anything that was out of the box that I could afford that was good enough for me to compete with the big guys, and I think that's in in so many ways unfair that you know many software as a service platforms they have these these plans where you have a, a startup plan and you have an enterprise plan or or 
a bigger business plan and all these things. And then that defines which features you get. So that means that the enterprises, the, the, the ones that already have a lot of money, they're the only ones that can get the good features that you need to, to succeed. That, that doesn't really, you know, right. work well for me. <laughs> it's, it, 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 uh, and, and I think that's unfair. So, so what I did with, with Telshio was we said, well, let's, let's do a different model, billing model than everyone else. Instead of having these different plans and, and paying a fee per user, we just charge you for your usage. So your phone calls, your, your per minute and text like you did in the old days. Um, and and the, the thing about that was that was actually way more affordable for everyone because now you pay for it for your actual usage. You're not paying a, a flat fee for someone who never uses the service uh, just because they're an employee and they sit over there in the corner. Um, it's like you don't pay with, for, for electricity per month, per user, right? You pay for what you use. So, right. so for us, we, we just said, well, okay, we'll give you all the features uh, that we have from day one and you just pay for the calls you make. And that scales, you know, so if you have a business with two employees, they will pay a lot less than a business with 5,000 employees, but you'll get the same features. You'll, at least you'll have the same playing field from, from, the, from the beginning. And that company with two employees that one day grows into 50 employees or 200 employees, mm -hmm. you were good for them when they were two employees. So they're going to stick with you for 200. And that makes a lot of sense. Yep, exactly. You are originally from Denmark and you started your first businesses in Denmark and now you're in the U.S. What's the big cultural difference you see in the business world uh, between Denmark or Europe and the U.S.? Um, so, so I think the, uh, the greediness uh, is very, very prominent in the U.S. Uh, it's, it's all about how much can I get for myself and not at all care about anyone else, not even your employees in many cases. That is, is is the biggest cultural difference. I, I think in general, and I live in California, so so um, we're, we're we're you know out on the west coast. There, there's not that big of a difference culture wise from from Denmark and 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 California. It's 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 it's, it's not it's not huge. Let me say it like that. But there are these these solidarity things that we have in Denmark that uh, are different. And and then it's just weird to me how. I somehow pay more in tax in the U.S. and get less. <laughs> that 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 has really not really. I've never found found out how that really works. I, I don't get anything here, uh, not even you know medical service or, or school or anything. But but somehow I pay more in tax. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the U.S. for sure. That's a big one, um, and not a fun one. I mean, what do you miss most about being in Denmark? Um, I think. I actually, for some weird reason, I kind of miss the weather. Uh, it's it's miserable when I'm there, and I I don't miss it when I'm there. But for some reason, <laughs> I I do when I'm here. So you know the 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 grass is always greener. Um, and you know I would say I don't miss my friends that much because they come here all the time. I I they're actually really good at at, at visiting, and uh, we go back. Uh, my wife and and kids and I we, at least once a year. And, uh, so so we see people and you know social media and all that stuff. So, so I think really the weather, and then there are some food items that I can't get here. <laughs> I have a different segment that I do each each uh, episode called "Quote on a Quote," where I read a quote and you just give me your thoughts. Okay. And I think this quote will likely be familiar to you. Okay. And the quote is: "Worrying about things you cannot control is pointless." Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, think about it this way: if you have a problem. And you're worrying about it, then just ask yourself, can I do something about it? And if you can, then there's nothing to worry about. Then just go do something about it. 
there's no re reason you would sit down and worry about it when you can do something about it. If you can't do anything about it, then why are you worrying about it? If you, this is completely out of your hands, then there's nothing to worry about. It's just what it is. Just deal with that. But in most cases, you can you can do something about whatever you're worried about. So just get up the, the <laughs> of, uh, of of the chair and, and and just go do it. That's that's really how I live my philosophy and or, or my life. And and the the funny thing is, my wife says that that's that's just not possible. That's not how everyone can do it. And and I get that, but <laughs> somehow I'm able to. So <laughs> it it works for me. <laughs> I mean, is there, um, I mean, do you think there's something about your lifestyle or the way you kind of approach life that's maybe different from, like mm -hmm. your wife says, the average person might not be able to do that. I mean, do you, like some people say, you know, I stay off social media and I don't read anything that's said about me or said about, you know, what I do. Is there practices like that, that you kind of employ to not even let the things that could worry you even get to you? I think the fact that I started so early on, um, has has given me pretty thick skin when it comes to that. I'm, I'm I don't uh, stay off social media, and and when people say something negative uh, about me, I, it really doesn't bother me much. Uh, maybe it does in that that one second, and then five minutes later, I saw another butterfly, and I'm I'm on with my life. Uh, you know, there's nothing uh, really that 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 worries me a lot or or bothers me for for a longer period of time. And I think, you know, my my, my mother always said when I was a kid because you know she was trying she was a single mother and she tried to. To kind of like one on one hand give me you know all the support to to do all these different things I did, but also try to keep me grounded and 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 not let it all get away. And I, I can definitely appreciate how that must have been a pretty difficult task when you know she was in her thirties and uh, I was ten years old and and wanted to be on, on national TV every day. Um, so she always told me this: if you if you stick your nose out, you're gonna get slapped. That that was really just all she said, and uh, that's true. And if you know that in a, in in advance that you are gonna get slapped, and you you kind of prepare yourself mentally for it, then it doesn't hurt that much. It's kind of like uh, you're bracing yourself, and if if you see a crash coming, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If you stick your nose out, you're gonna get slapped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. If you uh, if you put yourself out there, yep. someone's always gonna have something to say. So yep. your openness or non-openness can can uh, impact how you feel about it. So you were part of 20 platinum and 40 gold. What has been the coolest moment for you uh, in your music career, um, either in the studio, performing? Um, is there one moment where you're like, this This is like otherworldly, this is huge? Yeah, there's actually one that stands out and it was one of my last gigs. Uh, I've, I've, I've played so many cool ones, so many big ones, and, and, and the big ones are never really the most fun. They're uh, you know, wh wh when there's more than say thirty thousand people or twenty thousand people, then you you get distance from your your um, from your audience. You can't read them. You can't make any changes that will affect anything really. Uh, you can't go wrong, and it's just is what it is. Um, so the smaller gigs are always the more fun. And I played one in Hawaii uh, in 2012, I think, um, at a farm on outside Kona uh, somewhere. In the middle of nowhere, and there was probably around ten thousand people. I played a headlining gig at sunrise, uh, and it was like on a on a big field uh, right by a cliff uh, where you see the ocean. And you saw this like right as I, I got on stage, the sun started coming up, and Whoa. it was it was wild. 
it was it was like like choreographer uh, like a choreography uh, you know this whole thing and about ten thousand people that was just raving uh, in the morning and yeah it was wild. Uh, if I was to go back and relive something, that was that would probably be it. My goodness, that sounds that sounds amazing. So I mentioned before we start talking that the way you have like so many experiences and I, I kind of am always happy to share like, you know, the experiences I've had that kind of don't fit well in the rest of like the puzzle of my life. Um, and one of those is I spent a summer fishing in the Alaskan Sea and there was one morning and we'd start working super early. There's one morning where it's the most beautiful sunrise. We're out in the middle of the ocean, most beautiful sunrise. And the boat's just me and a couple other people. But I felt like I was the only person in the world witnessing that sunrise. And I've that's never been able to leave my brain. Like, it's always stuck with me. Wow. That just the most beautiful moment. And there's something about a sunrise that, that can stick in your mind like that. And certainly on a cliff in Hawaii with 10,000 people partying, that, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. There was like like this this chemistry that just happened between everyone. You know, it was just like everyone were kind of in this moment together. It was it was magical. I I, I can't really describe it any other way. Um, and I've never had that experience before. Uh, not, nothing you know come close to that. Just that you know maybe five minutes where that happened. That was cool. So you seem like a pretty independent person. Like you like to have your own ideas and you go after your own ideas. Do you think? in a way the entrepreneurial life can be for everyone? Or do you think it's something that should be encouraged rather for more people than it is? It seems like something that maybe used to be more part of more part of culture, lots of small businesses, and mm. now it's become more and more centralized into larger corporations, more people working as an employee. Do you, is that something you suggest for more people to pursue the entrepreneurial life? Um, or do you think it's it's really only cut out for some people and not for everyone? Mm, yes to both. Um, uh, it's 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 um, it is definitely something that you have to be cut out for. It's it's ups and ups and down. It's a, the perpetual roller coaster. I call it. There's always something you know happening every single day. Still after doing it for ten years in in one company, right? But um, I, I I totally think that that there there's the, a lack of of um, uh, willingness or or um, uh, what's the word for it? There's there's a there's a lack of 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 people uh, taking the chance, and and I think one part of it is is really that that it's it's more difficult today. There's uh, there's it's it's harder uh, in 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 many ways to uh, to just go do whatever you want to do and 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 put everything on the line. The thing about me is is like I said earlier, there's this little na nativity in me that uh, allows me to do that. Uh, it it. Uh, I, I can I can put everything on the line and literally go go a hundred percent into something. Um, I probably can't do that as much uh, as I could ten years ago because now I have kids and and I actually have uh, responsible uh, I am responsible for for other people than myself. But back in the day uh, when I was in my early twenties, I got evicted twice because I couldn't pay rent because I went all in for whatever project I was I was doing at that time. Uh, and it didn't really bother me much because it it was what it was. I I just had to try and I had to to give it give it my best. Um, and I think it's it's a little bit more daunting today. I I I'm not sure if it's if it's exactly what it is. If it's the 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 economical climate or or what it is that does that, or it's just a a, a, a general um, 
I don't know if, if thing that that has has kind of spread, but but I definitely think that that it would be better if if there were more people taking that shot and, and mm-hmm. trying out by themselves and seeing if if it works. Yeah, I mean something like you experience where even just setting up a simple phone system was at too high of a price point and difficulty point for you to get set up out of the out of the box. I think there's a lot of things that are just parallel with that basic communication tools or just product development tools that are too high for someone to be able to take that risk. Um, But I agree with you that it would be good for more people to take that initiative. And it ends up, I think, benefiting the economical climate because when these ideas are bouncing off each other, it ends up, you know, it raises everyone's fortune. Yeah. Yeah, so so I, I actually think that that one one thing that's interesting is is uh, I think there's got to be a why you're doing it too. For me, there's there's it's never about making a lot of money. Like I said earlier, uh, I've been been broke many times uh, because I just go in for it. But but I'm I'm doing it because it allows me to play with what I'm interested in and and doing what I really love doing. And it doesn't feel like I'm going to work all of a sudden. You know, the day is gone and I've been at work for sixteen hours. Uh, it's it's. Um, that's the why for me making a lot of money that's great it would be nice and 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 you know to have a billion dollars on the bank account uh and, and not have to worry about that and but but for me it's really about uh that and, and and also i feel like that freedom i've already uh achieved you know being able to to make just just enough for where you have a place to live and you can go down and buy groceries without having to worry about what the price tag is on the on the things you put in your your cart just put in the cart whatever you feel like putting in the cart that day and, and make and cooking and stuff just that in itself is enough for me uh, then I'm, I'm I'm very comfortable and I and I'm able to play with what I do so everyone has their own why and uh, it could also be just making a lot of money that's 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 cool um, but I think there's there's has to be that in for people to really be successful with with any kind of business yeah and I think from just learning about you a little bit, even if you had the billion dollars in your bank account, you'd probably still be oh. going after those ideas that you have. Never retire. I, I'm, I'm never going to retire. I'm, I just know that already. <laughs> so what would your advice be for a person who believes they have a vision for a company or a vision for a product? What should their first step be? Um, at least look very objectively, is it viable? Is it is it possible to make any kind of money off of this? It doesn't have to be a billion dollars. It doesn't have to be that you you beat every, all your competition from day one. But can you actually get a couple of customers and then go out and try and get those customers uh, before you put everything into that basket? Just, uh, you know, for the first year, I, I still worked uh, con- contracting jobs because we had to pay our bills, you know. Um, so... Try and get a few customers and see if you can actually sell whatever it is that you're you're selling, um, and and then have that negativity, you know, that yeah, of course I can do it, but you have to be some somewhat realistic and 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 take a calculated risk. It's not like I'm I'm just you know throwing everything uh, into to to the ring and and, and hoping for the best. Uh, I'm I'm very you know I think a lot about what I do and every single move. Um, and and you have to do that. Um, so so be realistic. Don't be don't be completely uh, oblivious to to how the world is and, and sees your product. But also believe that you can you can do it and, and take the risk. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Being open to risks, but it's also being aware of what the risks are, and then knowing you can take that risk and you can achieve. Uh, it's not a blind yeah. a blind jump, uh, but it's a willingness to take the jump that I think I've seen in a lot of entrepreneurs. 
<laughs> I, was, I was just going to say that, that it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Like it's, if, if you, if you look at, uh, what you have, uh, just, just, uh, see if you can, you can sell that. Don't see if you can sell a product that is just as good as the best one on the market from day one. You can't, that's just not possible. But if you can get a few customers to at least buy what you have, then you can probably also get more customers to buy it when it's a little bit better and so on and so on. Yeah, for sure. Well, Peter, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your entrepreneurial journey. It's been amazing hearing about your experiences from going across Denmark on Downmark Radio and playing gigs in Hawaii in front of a sunrise to starting a telecommunications company. It's amazing to hear your journey. And I think other people would like to hear it too. Thanks so much, Peter. Thank you so much for having me. To learn more about Peter, you can check out peterschroeder.com. And to check out Telzio, go to telzio.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider leaving a rating on whatever platform you're listening to and sharing the episode with a friend. Follow the show on social media at B is for Business Show on Instagram and X and B is for Business on Facebook and LinkedIn. And as always, have a great Monday, everyone. Thanks for listening to B is for Business. Intro music is by The Revolution. Outro music is by Reveal.
The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. B is for Business is a trademark of Bison LLC. Remember to like, subscribe, and share B is for Business across all platforms. Thank you.